Welcome to the Nova Church Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to get into God's Word with us today. To find out more, you can head to novachurch.com. Like we said, we are in week two of our Dare Greatly series. If you don't know who I am, my name is Sam and I'm one of the pastors here at Nova Church and uh, I'm bringing the Word tonight. So what I'm going to be speaking about tonight, I'm going to be speaking from the book of 1 Samuel. I'm going to say 1 Samuel. Chapter 17, verses 8 to 15, possibly one of uh, the most famous passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. We're talking David and Goliath tonight, right? Because who dared more greatly than David with a sling? Come on, standing down Goliath. So I want to read this passage to you. I really believe tonight's going to be a powerful night. I really feel that God has something significant and special just for you. So I'm very excited to preach this word. So we're going to get into it right off the bat. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 8 to 15. So we are landing smack bang in the middle of a story where David is about to take on Goliath. And this is what it says. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Uh, Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David, oh, David, come on, shout out to David. Now David was the son of a Paphrodite, what a name, named Jesse. Who was from Bethlehem in Judah, Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. Woo! David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, and this is what I want to focus on tonight, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. We're going to pray and we're going to get into the Word tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. And I'm just asking, Lord, right now that you would take this Word that I am about to preach and I pray, Father, that you would make it supernatural. My words fall to the ground, but when they're your words, Lord God, they rip open hearts, they change lives, they transform us from the inside out. So God, we're asking together that you would speak your Word to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Who loves going to the movies? Who knows that like going to the movies is possibly one of the best experiences you can have in your daily life? I'm telling you, I, when, you remember when big screen TVs came out and everyone thought, oh, the movies are over. You know, we've got a big plasma now. Plasma, lol. Uh, we've got a big plasma now, so the days of going to the movies are over. Can I tell they are not over. They are not over, right? You can't get a screen that big in your living room, right? You want to go, you want to go get that popcorn in your belly and don't even pretend like you can cook good enough popcorn like that at home. Your popcorn sucks. Come on, we want movie popcorn, right? I'm all about it. I love it. I love getting that two litre size $15 Coke, right? And rolling in and sitting down there and you, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to finish the drink before the movie's even started. So about 20 minutes in, you're spending another 20 minutes in the toilet because there's that much in there. And it's like, I, I love the whole experience. It's awesome. I love going to the movies. Uh, recently, uh, it's no secret that I went and saw Endgame, as I said a few weeks ago. And uh, who liked it? Yeah. Okay, a few of you. All right. Who, who liked Aladdin more than Endgame? There's three girls. That's... So, so we went and uh, we saw 
this movie, uh, Endgame, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of boys, and we're sitting there in, in the seat, because come on, who knows, if there ain't no class like gold class. We found out, just secret, that reading cinemas, or reading, or however you say it, does anyone know how to say it? Nope. Reading? Reading? I don't know. That cinema has the filthiest, nastiest gold class price you will ever hit. It is $15. It is 15 You sit yourself in a big old recline, you pop that thing back, you are ready to go. So we're at the cinema, and I'm sitting next to Riley, and... Uh, and I'm like, oh, bro, so excited to see Endgame. He's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know. I'm so excited too. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, what did you think of Infinity War, which is the movie before Endgame? And he's like, oh, I haven't seen it. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, would you like me to pass you a blindfold so you can sit in this room because it's going to be the same amount of information coming into you. You are not going to understand anything, but you're about to see that. He's like, no, 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 it's going to be cool, man. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. And so, so we roll out, the movie goes past. You know, we're all crying at the slow dance of Captain America at the end and we're shedding tears. It's a beautiful moment. We walk out of the cinema and I'm like, how was it, bro? He's like, yeah, I don't know what just happened. You know, I just wasted three hours of my life, right? <laughs> Because it's like, if you, if you haven't seen the prequel, you have no idea what's happening, right? So it's like, you, you have to see that because, because if you don't have reference to what's happened before, it has, you, give, you have no context for what's happening now, right? The prequel gives meaning to the movie, right? If you don't have information on what happened before the one you're watching, what happens? You have no idea what you're watching. It's the power of a prequel, there's, there's this scripture, this tiny little scripture. Maybe we can even put that back up. At the end of this chapter we just read, and it talks about David going from the palace, from Saul. We can see here, he, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Let me give you some context here. David has been rocking it out in the palace for some time now. He has been in the most prestigious environment in the whole country. He has been living in the court of the king, right? He's been living in the palace. He's had servants around him. He's been meeting politicians and kings from all over the world. He's been flying the high life. He's with Saul in his private jet flying around the world. He's been up there living this amazing life. And then something happens to him where God calls him to go back to the place that he left to go to the palace. And this place that he left from was a paddock. It was a farm. It was, it was where he grew up. The paddock was where David looked after the sheep. The paddock was where David's father rejected him in place of his brothers. The paddock was where a bear tried to maul him. The paddock was where a lion tried to eat him. And God positions his life and says, you've spent this time in the palace, but now I'm going to send you back to the paddock. Because David, I don't want you just to know how to live in the palace. I don't want you to know how to just serve me in the palace. I want you to know how to serve me in the paddock. I don't want just you to be able to serve me in the public place, in the place that everyone sees, in the place that's prestigious. I want you to have the same passion, the same heart that you had for me in the palace right back there in the paddock. That's something called integrity. Being the same person when people are watching and the same people when they aren't. David had the same passion for those sheep as he had to polish Saul's shoes because he, he was a man of integrity. He was the same in the palace as he was in the paddock. He was the same in the public place as he was in the private place. My question is, why did God send David back to the paddock after he was sent to the palace? 
So you've got to know something. David was anointed to be king. That palace rightfully belonged to him. Saul was out as far as God was concerned. So Saul was sitting in David's seat. Get a, get a hold of the heart of this guy. Not only is he willing to serve the guy who is actually in his seat, he is also willing to go back away from the promise, away from the place that God told him he would go, right back to the paddock, right back where it all began. My question is, why did God send him back to the paddock? See, the paddock was his past. It's where he was from. And who knows, sometimes we have to learn how to deal with our past before we can move forward to our future. Who knows that sometimes there's unfinished business in the paddock of our past that we need to overcome before we can move forward into the destiny and to the future that God has for us. God didn't send him back to the paddock of his past to hurt him. He sent him back to the paddock of his past to give him a new perspective, to help him because God was setting him up to be a man who dared more greatly than any Israelite in history. He sent him back to the paddock of his past because there was unfinished business. And I felt God speak to me this week about unfinished business in our lives. That there are some things in the paddock of your past that God wants to deal with tonight. Not to take you back there and hurt you. Not to take you back there and make you remember how bad it was. But to take you back, give you a new perspective. So that you're ready to slay the giant in front of you. Step up to the calling. Sit in the throne of the king and become the person, the man, the woman of God. Come on, but he's calling you to be. But, but we've got to be willing to go back to the paddock of our past. God was saying to David, he's like, you know, you're about to watch a movie called David Slays Goliath. But before you watch that movie, you need to go back and see a movie called David Sits With The Sheep. You need to understand the prequel before you can see the main thing. And I can imagine David being so frustrated. I mean, David was was so close to becoming the king and the person God's called him to be. I mean, David was anointed. David was chosen. David was set apart by God. I can imagine him being in the palace and thinking to himself, Woohoo! I am so glad my panic days are behind me. Like, I am loving this marble floor a lot more than I am loving the poo from a sheep all over the soil, right? God says, No, no, no. Yeah, you're anointed. Yeah, you're chosen. But there's some things in the paddock of your past that you got to deal with. So I think a lot of the time as Christians, we think to ourselves, all right, man, like I'm saved. I'm anointed. A pastor one time, he came and put oil on my, I'm anointed. I'm called back up. I'm going somewhere in my life. I'm going from the paddock to the palace. But, But what about when God calls you to go from the palace to the paddock? Woo, not a popular thing to talk about, is it? It's like everyone loves the story of going from the poo to the palace. But what about when God sends you from the palace back to the poo? Because there's some stuff you've got to deal with that you haven't moved on from yet. See, I think as Christians so often we go, I'm anointed, I'm chosen, God's called me. And God's like, yeah, 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 cool. But you still haven't dealt with the divorce of your parents yet. You're anointed and you're chosen, but, but you still haven't dealt with the hurt in your heart. 
from that relationship breakup yet. Yeah, you're anointed and you're chosen, but you still haven't got past the words that that person said to you. And God says, yes, you're anointed. Yes, you're chosen. But if you're going to move forward and become the person that I'm calling you to be, we got to go back to the paddock of your past for a moment. Deal with these issues so that one day you can stare Goliath down in the face, slay the giants that are in front of you and step into destiny. Tonight, we're going to go to the paddock of your past for a moment. But let me encourage you first up, we're not going to stay there. Some things I want to share with you tonight. See, see, I don't know if you ever had this experience or not, but I was pretty stoked when I got my P plates. I heard someone here tonight, he's got your P plates, Tyler, my man. You're a happy man, aren't you? He's got a smile on his face, someone who got his P plates. One thing that would tell you, one thing that would tell you when you... When you go for your P's, when you do your driving test, is who remembers a driving instructor? I think my driving instructor definitely smoked way too many cigarettes and it was very bad smell in the car. And, uh, and I remember she, she would constantly tell me, she would say, Sam, you got to check your mirrors. <laughs> right, who remembers hearing that, right? It's like, left, right. What do I say? It's like, left, right, right, you know. And she'd be like, Sam, <laughs> don't forget, <laughs> check your mirrors. And I'm like, okay. You know? <laughs> and, and in fact, like, if you don't learn how to check your mirrors, you might actually get in trouble on the road. See, the reason they teach you to check your mirrors is because if you don't have the right perspective on what's behind you, you will not have the right perspective on what's in front of you. And what God wants to do tonight is He wants to give us a better perspective, a new perspective on what's behind us so that we might move forward to what's in front of us. There's a reason the rear vision mirror is smaller than the front window, right? Because it's not the main thing you're looking at. But don't understand, don't mistake it for a moment that you don't have to look at it. You've got to understand what's behind you before you can understand what God's calling you to do in front of you. You've got to deal with the panic of your past before you can drive on the road of destiny. In fact, the government will defect your car if you don't have mirrors. And as some of us are feeling defective in our lives because, because we've snapped all the mirrors off and pretended like it didn't happen. And God's like, I don't want you to pretend like it didn't happen. I want to give you an overcoming spirit. You know that it happened, but you're going to move forward from it and become who God called you to be. But you've got to deal with the paddock of your past. Why? Because there's power in the prequel. You have to know where you've come from and embrace where you've come from if you're going to step into where God is calling you to be. <laughs> 1 Samuel 17, verses 36 to 37. David's like sizing up Goliath. He's getting ready to take him down. And Listen to what he says. He references his past. <laughs> Have a look at this. 1 Samuel 17, 36 37. It's probably one of my favourite passages in the whole book. It's so gangster. I can imagine Bruce Willis saying this. Bruce Willis. Like, we're, we're going into die hard right now. Okay. 1 Samuel 17, 36, 37. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine. What an insult. He's paying out his junk. The Bible's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. 
because he has defied the armies of the living God. Listen to this now. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Think about this for a moment. This is crazy. Because I think when we read that, we're like, oh yeah, he killed the lion. <laughs> he killed the bear. <laughs> and now he's going to kill you. But just, just pause for a moment. Because, because, because he had a lion attack him. This is not a positive scenario. If a lion attacked you, you'd be getting counselling for six months. What, this is not a normal thing to happen. And then a bear attacked him. What are these? These are traumatic situations and scenarios that actually happened to him. And do and you know where and when they attacked him? When he was out in the paddock because he was rejected by his family and by his father. So David is standing there alone, rejected and looked over, and being attacked by wild animals and forced to fend them off on his own. But this is what I can't wrap my head around. By the time David gets to Goliath, he's been back to the paddock and he gets to Goliath. And it's almost like when God sent him back, I can imagine him walking around the paddock and going, hey, that's, that's where Samuel came and anointed me with oil. That's where my father told me that he didn't want me in the family. That's, that's where the bear attacked me right here. That, that's where the lion attacked me right there. That's, that, that spot right there is where I cried for hours on end because I was left to my own devices and wasn't good enough. He's come straight from that paddock where he's been reminded of everything he's been through. But listen to his perspective. He doesn't spend his time saying, God, why did you let the bear attack me? Why did you let the lion come at me? Why did you let my father Leave me out in the field. He would be right to spend his energy asking those questions. They are unfair questions. But the same incidents that he could have interpreted to mean that God wasn't with him, he started to interpret as meaning that God was with him. See, he stopped asking the question, why did the lion and the bear come? And started thanking God that he had anointed him to overcome. What had happened? He changed his perspective on the paddock of his past. And I feel tonight there's an anointing in this room. Some of you have walked in with one perspective on your past. And I'm believing tonight that God's going to give you a new perspective. See, I can't answer the question of why the lion came at you. I can't answer the question of why your parents broke up. I can't answer the question of why they hurt you or why they walked away from you or why you felt lonely or why you felt rejected. I can never answer those questions for you. This is all I know. We can spend our lives wondering and asking God, why did the lion come and why did the bear come? Or we can stop looking at that question and start saying to ourselves, I'm not going to spend my energy asking why anymore. I'm going to praise my God that the lion didn't kill me, that the bear didn't take me down, but I overcame everything that came at me. You can change your perspective on the paddock of your past. You are here tonight because you are an overcomer. You are alive tonight because God is with you. He has called you. He has anointed you. And you have overcome the paddock of your past. And there are bigger giants yet to slay. But we've got to change our perspective on where we've been. 
if we're going to be able to go to the new place that God is calling us. Oh man, (laughs) who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I find it so interesting that David, when, when he came to the battlefield to actually say those really awesome like insults to Goliath when he, when he came to walk on that battlefield, his brother actually tried to stop him. And this is, this is what it says. It's so interesting. 1 Samuel 17 verse 28. Oh, I'm so excited for what I'm about to preach. I just got to tell you in advance, I'm so excited about this. You have no idea how excited I am about this. 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. I might even take my jacket off. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, please no. Um, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, and, and what he was overhearing was David talking about how he was going to slay this giant and cut off his head. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? This guy's a total sass queen. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? This guy's a loser. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. This is the thing. Sweat towel. David's brother is looking at him, coming onto the field. And you got to understand something. David was destined to walk onto that field. He was anointed to kill that giant and win the hearts of the people. He walks onto this field and Eliab comes up to him. Eliab. And what he does is he, he points out all of these reasons why David isn't qualified to step into the destiny that he is about to step into. (laughs) But this is what I love. (laughs) The people who tried to send him away because of his history could not hold him back from his destiny. See, they wouldn't let David through the front door. So what did God do? God just sent David through the back door. Here's the thing, Eliab is like, you can't come onto the field of fight. Don't you even think about coming with a sword. Why don't you go back to your sheep? But you see, David had come onto the field, not as a warrior, but as an Uber driver. Because his father had sent him to deliver some cheese. So God says, that's cool. These people are going to reject you because of your history. They're going to close the front door to you. That's cool. I'll just let you through the back door. If they won't accept you as a warrior, I'll just send you as an Uber driver. And here's some things you got to know tonight about your history, about the panic of your past. Some of you are concerned that you can't step into destiny because of your history. You're concerned that you're not going to be able to become who God's called you to be because of where you've been. But can I tell you tonight, nobody on this earth, not a liar, the loser, not any voice in your life can stop you from stepping into destiny. If they won't let you into your destiny with a sword, He'll just send you in with some cheese. If they won't let you in through the front door, He will send you in through the back door because God always has a way of getting you to where you need to be. Nothing in your history, nothing in the panic of your past can prevent you from stepping in 
to the destiny that God has for you. I'm going to ask my awesome, wherever, wherever Kate is, or Rosalind or whoever's doing, oh, here we go, okay. We're, we're gonna, it's prop time, people. I want to show you something. Let's give it up for Kate. How good's Kate? See, can you see him? Hey. See, Eliab was looking at these moments from David's life. He was thinking to himself, there is nothing about being a shepherd that qualifies you for being a giant slayer. There is nothing. But what he was doing was making the mistake of looking at one part of David's life without looking about all the other parts that were actually going to stack up to create his destiny. Uh, This is what I don't think he understood tonight. He didn't understand what I want to call tonight the dominoes of destiny. So he was looking at one part of David's life, caring for a sheep. He was thinking that is absolutely pointless. I got something in my hand. It's called a domino. It's not a pizza. Before there was pizza, there was these. He's looking at, at, at one domino of David's life, and he's thinking that is so pointless because, because a domino on its own has no power. A domino on its own, in fact, seems completely pointless. I mean, look at this thing. What's that going to do? He was looking at one part of David's life, one part of David's journey, while missing all the other parts that God was stacking up around it. See, God anointed David to be king. <laughs> and then he said... Now that I've anointed you to be king, I want you to go and care for some sheep. Sheep caring looks pretty pointless, pretty powerless. He goes on, he says, okay, you've cared for some sheep now, that's cool. Like, now I want you to go and play the harp. You're going to be a guitar player for the king. So he's like, okay, I'm going to learn guitar. I'm going to go and I'm going to, going to do that. And then he goes, well, now that you play guitar for the king, I want you to continue to serve him. Even though he's in your seat and even though you're corrupt, you're going to continue to do what I've called you to do. Now you're going to serve a corrupt king. He's like, okay. And now that you've been in the palace and served the corrupt king, I want you to go back to the paddock of your past where you're from and I want you to do that. And he's like, okay, I'll do that. And then he says, now that you've gone back to the paddock of your past and, and looked after some sheep, what I want you to do is, is I want you to be an Uber driver and I want you to deliver some cheese. On its own, delivering cheese looks like nothing. On its own, delivering a harp, a little musical solo to King Saul, it looks like nothing. On its own, caring for some sheep in a paddock looks like nothing. On its own, serving a king who's corrupt, it looks like nothing. See, individually, they look pointless. But together, they add up to destiny. See, here's the thing. When I was a young man, and I was... In a university degree, I was studying film and television. God told me I was going to be a pastor. But before I could be a pastor, I had to finish my degree. And then it was like, okay, God, I'm ready to be a pastor. I'm ready to to preach my message. And he's like, no, 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 you're not going to preach your message. You're going to go into a basement and you're going to video edit other people's messages. And now that you video edited other people's messages, right, instead of giving you a microphone, I'm going to give you a mouse. (laughs) And instead of giving you a platform, I actually was editing videos under the platform of another church's stage. I'm not going to give you a platform. You're going to edit those videos under someone else's platform. And now that you've figured out how to do that and you've served under someone else's platform, I'm going to give you a platform for a youth ministry in Murray Bridge. 
And now that I've given you a platform for a youth ministry in Murray Bridge, I want you to take on something called Youth Alive. And now that I've given you something called Youth Alive, I want you to plant a church. This is the point. What does finishing a film degree that I hate have to do with starting a church? Seemingly nothing. What does delivering cheese to some random strangers on a field have to do with saying down Goliath, it looks like nothing. But here's the thing, the points of our life that individually look pointless when they're stacked together in the destiny of who God's called us to be actually become powerful. See, the individual moments of your life that look pointless, the individual moments of your life that you can't figure out, on their own you can't make sense of it. On your own you can't make sense of why you're in the job you're in. On your own you can't make sense of why that person hurt you. On your own you can't make sense of why you're stuck doing what you're doing right now because you're looking at the individual domino but I want to tell you tonight God is not looking at the individual domino he is looking at the greater effect and what seems so pointless in your life is actually purposeful in your life what looked like it was pointless was actually destiny there is nothing in your life that is pointless. There is nothing in your past that was pointless. But the problem is we spend our lives looking at the individual domino to try and figure out where we're going. But God's not looking at the domino. He's looking at the effect. God's saying, I need you to trust me with the panic of your past. I need you to trust me in the degree you're studying. I need you to trust me in the job that I have you in. Individually, it looks pointless, but stack it up and it creates destiny. Oh my gosh, get this, get this, get this. You see, before one giant was slayed, a thousand dominoes were laid. Because you don't take down a giant by one act of obedience. You take down a giant by laying a domino every time God tells you to. See, you have no idea what you're called to. You have no idea what's ahead of you. You don't need to know what's coming to be able to lay the domino. And God says this to you. If you will faithfully lay the dominoes that I have called you to lay, I'm going to set you up to slay the giant that I'm calling you to slay. Because it was at the moment that David took down God life, that he won the hearts of the people and became the man who would be the greatest king, come on, in the history of Israel. Why? Because he was willing to allow God to tell him what dominoes to lay and trust him enough for the outcome. Come on, let's thank the girls as they will this one away for a moment. How good. That job you're in right now, it's not pointless. That degree you're studying right now, it's not pointless. The way that person hurt you, I know it feels so hard, but I want to tell you tonight, don't you dare believe for a moment that your God will not turn what the enemy meant for evil into good. Don't you dare believe that the domino that seemed pointless won't stack up to destiny. He is with you. He's with you. <laughs> Man, this, this powerful Part of the story, of course, the story we all know, 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 40. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. But he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, 
put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. That sling was something he had learned to use in the paddock. All the commentators will tell you that the sling was a shepherd's weapon. David needed something from his past to be able to step in to his future. See, this is, this is the mistake that David's brother made. He was saying, you've been out with the sheep. Well, you're just a product of your past. No, David wasn't a product of his past. He was about to become king. There is nothing about his past that would suggest that he would become a king. David was not a product of his past. David had learned how to use products from his past without becoming a product of his past. See, when he picked up that sling, he was using something. Where was it from? From his history to step into his destiny. (laughs) The one who slayed the biggest giant was the one who knew how to use what was behind him to face what was in front of him. He was not a product of his past and neither are you. I want to tell someone tonight, you are not a product of that divorce. You are not a product of how that person left you. You are not a product of how that person hurt you. You are not a product of anything in your life. Jesus died for all of those things to set you free. You are not a product of your past. But it doesn't mean you can't use products from your past to step into your destiny. I want to to explain this to you for a minute. See, there's a difference between your past holding you and you holding your past. David held the sling. He was in control. (laughs) This is what you got to know tonight. Your history is a weapon to step into your destiny. You're not a product of that breakup, but you can use that breakup to set you up for how you're going to continue to do relationships in the future. You're not a product of your parents' divorce, but you can use that divorce to set some ground rules in your life to say, you know what? I'm going to live it differently. My parents grew up in some very rough families and some very wrong circumstances, and yet they made a decision. And when it was about, I don't know how many years ago it was, 20 years ago or so, they sat down and said, you know what? We're not going to be products from our history, but we're going to use those products for destiny. And they set up a family for me and my brother to grow up in this flourishing. And I want to prophesy to people tonight in Jesus' name, right where you are, that you are not a product of your history, but you can use what's in your past to create your future. You're not a product of how that person hurt you. You're not a product of how that person left you. Don't be afraid of it. Your past does not hold you. God is calling you to hold it. This is what I can't get over. God said to David, go back to the paddock and go forward into your destiny. Back and forward. Do you know what a sling does before it takes down a giant? It goes back and it goes forward. It goes back and it goes forward. It uses what is behind it to take down what is in front of it. When David was holding that sling, that sling was his story. It went back and it went forward. It went back and it went forward. It took what was behind it to take down what was in front of it. And I'm telling you tonight, your story is your sling. Hear me now. Your story is your sling. 
What is behind you? God is going to use to take down what is in front of you. Oh my gosh. See, here's this thing that happened. David swings his sling back and forward and back and forward and he takes down Goliath. And do you know what happens? The whole army starts cheering. Woo! Goliath's dead. But here's the thing. They celebrate like it was their victory. Like they did anything. But David used his sling to take down a giant. He used his past to create a future. Listen to me now. This is so important. His victory became the people's victory. Because when you own your story and overcome in your story, it changes everyone else's story around you. See, your story of overcoming abuse is going to set other people free from the abuse they've experienced. Your story of overcoming divorce is going to set other people free from the pain that they've walked through. Why? Because your story is your sling. People need to know your story because the victory that has been won in your life, hear me now, is going to be won in the lives of people all around you because your story is your sling. Where you're from is going to be used by God to change where you're going. See, we've got to be brave enough to dare greatly with our past, to face our past so that we might dare greatly and step into our future. Your story is your sling. If you will dare greatly with your history. You will dare greatly with your destiny. God wants to use where you've been to get you on to the battlefield, not lead you away from it. No part of your story, no part of your pain was pointless. It was all a part of the dominoes of destiny. And if you will see that God has helped you overcome, I'm telling you, you're going to slay some giants in your life. And it's not just going to be for you. It's going to be for the sound. Come on, somebody, of the people all around you who overcome because of a story they heard from your lips and your mouth that you overcome. Come on, someone ought to give God praise for that tonight. Your story is your sleep. Thanks for joining us on the Nova Church Podcast. We hope this message impacted you in a powerful way. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe or you can head to novachurch.com for more.